I want to thank Verbella for sponsoring This Week in XR. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, January 21st. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Shilowitz. It's This Week in XR. Special guest this week is our friend, uh, Alex Heath, senior reporter for The Verge. Good morning, Alex, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I was just telling Ted uh, in the green room shortly before we got started that if we keep having this much uh, tech news every week, I'm going to have a hard time doing my roundup. Yeah. Because you know, it used to be a thing I get, you know, in an hour or two, but now I'm, you know, I, I you know, got to reread 50 articles and do triage and then, you know, write slightly knowledgeable, slightly about each story, which is a good metaphor for this podcast. Uh, but it's it, an it, overwhelming it, amount of news every week. It feels like January has gone by pretty quickly, wouldn't you say, Charlie? Like we're already kind of at the third week of January and a lot has happened already in 2022. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think, Charlie, both you and I are fans of The Verge. It's one of our go-to spots yeah. to get news and, and learn about the latest things that are happening. And, you know, that's kind of our version of the drops is places like The Verge is like, oh, what's dropping now? So that's, uh, you know, for all of our listeners, it's a, it's a good place to track stuff. The, the Verge is it's the very best. Nice of you. And, and the uh, acquisition um, uh, made them even better. So mm -hmm. uh, needless to say, when The Verge pulled out of CES, you knew it was over. You knew it was. You knew that was pretty much that it was going virtual. Yeah, yeah, you know, we 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 had made that decision actually. I think at least a week before we announced it, um, and they were trying to decide when we were going to announce it. And we had advertising partners and you know a bunch of people that we had to let know first. Yeah. And um, that was a big moment because like yeah, the Verge usually rolls pretty deep at CES, yeah. but um, we had to we had to say no. And I, I think we made the right decision in hindsight. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was just telling Ted, you got it. Uh, Timu Toku was going to join us, the uh, co-founder of Wolf 3D, which does Ready Player Me, was going to join us. He's in Europe. He got it. Yep. And, and Took me out for a week in December. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's... I got it. Yeah. It's moving. It's, it's wild. It's only January. It's only <laughs> and, January. And God knows what's next. And meanwhile, <laughs> it seems like the world is going faster now uh, instead of slower because of COVID. It's very strange. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's my feeling too. Yeah. Uh, but um, okay, big news this week: uh, Microsoft buys Activision. Um, well, in process of right world when you say it. The deal ain't done yet. In process. Right? Well, yes, that there may be some regulators who will have something to say about this. Absolutely, uh, it certainly is going to be a test of Microsoft's political power. And a test of the sec, the industry sector. On you know, um, are we in a place where this is going to? allow these sort of mega mergers and, and these pieces and parts to glue together. Um, I think the, the last four or five years have shown that there's been more of a propensity to allow these, these mega mergers to happen, but we'll see if there's a change in the wind now with the, this administration. We'll see. I, I don't know. Alex, what do you, what's your take on it? Um, I think, I think Microsoft thinks it's probably a very good chance that will happen. I think there's like a $3 billion breakup fee, which you know, it's not chump change even for Microsoft. Um, and uh, I don't know, I saw there was a congressman, I think, who gave some statement, I think, to the Washington Post saying, um, I, Microsoft has assured me that they're in something to the effect of like, Microsoft promises they won't do anything bad, which is like, <laughs> uh, and I believe them, which is like, imagine, you know, any other big tech company getting yeah. that kind of leeway from the government. Um, and 
I mean, I'm sure the FCC and a bunch of governments are still going to be looking at this deal. They don't expect it to close until what, like 2023. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. But you it's, have a it's kind of remarkable. Do you have a perspective I mean, my, on it? Do you think it's a good idea? Um, yeah, for, for their gaming business. Absolutely. I think what's more interesting though, is that they, this was like maybe their fourth target that we know of because we know they looked at TikTok and that whole Trump fiasco, right? Um, Discord, they really wanted to buy. Um, and then there was that report, they looked at Pinterest as well. So they've been on the hunt, you know, they've had a hole in their pocket for a while. And I think gaming, they may have realized, you know, was the one thing that they could actually buy because these companies didn't want to sell or it kind of fell apart with Trump and TikTok. Um, but, you know, they would have probably paid less for Discord and gotten, you know, more future growth out of it um, in terms of just like these scaled networks can really get exponential over time. Whereas like this gaming business is fairly, I mean, the, the strategy is Game Pass, right? It's mm -hmm. to make Game Pass better. So I don't know, it's still a lot of money. I mean, to do it all in cash too, it's just- um, Yeah, that part really caught my eye. Yeah, I mean, isn't it, it's like the largest deal- $75 billion, deal. something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the largest cash deal uh, in tech in the US, as far as I've heard, so. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the sort of thing that only a Microsoft or an Apple could do. Yeah. And they've been hoarding that money up for decades. Apple has enough money. I mean, I don't know. I used to cover Apple more closely and we would always joke that they're just like saving money to take themselves private one day because like they, <laughs> they just have so much money and they don't do anything with it. And I mean, what is, are they just like wanting to ride out, uh, you know, Tim Cook is forecasting a decade long recession or something. And it's like, what is happening over there? Because they could be buying stuff and you're, yeah, they just don't, yeah. it's not in their DNA. Um, well, well, they don't buy big stuff, right? They they buy yeah. companies very young and yeah. then incorporate them into their overall strategy. Um, yeah. It is interesting as, you know, I, I presume the two of you also are stockholders in Apple like myself, and, and it is interesting to watch it and see its spectacular growth and that strategy of um, holding this war chest of cash actually works in their favor to stabilize and continue to grow their stock price. You know, it actually makes people feel confident, interestingly enough, um, that they don't actually acquire at huge sums other other firms. That's interesting. So we got some Apple news this week uh, through Bloomberg's Mark German um, talking about, first of all, the delay of the headset that we said would be delayed because it wasn't announced. There was no actual pressure on them to do so or not to do so. Um, but I guess it's news uh, that we were right. <laughs> I love this. I love when... so. I mean, I, I do this too, right? So like, you know, people are, we'll get, we're getting into this story later about, you know, people are, people are ragging on me saying Google's playing catch up and AR headsets, um, even though they haven't announced this thing yet. And so uh, the common refrain I hear is like, well, they haven't announced it. Therefore, uh, it can't be delayed. Uh, John Gruber loves to say this about Apple stuff. It's just not, that's just not true because if you actually do reporting, which is like what, you know, what I do into these companies, they give themselves targets all the time and they actually do miss their own targets. And if, and it's, it's delayed, it's, it's maybe not delayed publicly, but it's certainly delayed internally. And these internal delays actually can lead to executive departures. They can lead to whole teams being shifted around. They matter. And it just, just because they haven't announced it doesn't mean it's not delayed or it's, you know, that's my, I guess, because I'm on the other side of like getting the, the news, like I sympathize with German here because, um, 
you know, people like him and me, we know things about these internal estimates that like normal people don't. So when we say something is delayed, it's not, we're not making it up, right? Um, yeah. Maybe some, maybe some people are, but someone like Ehrman is certainly not. Well, and, and from someone who comes from a hardware background, building fairly sophisticated hardware that entered into the professional market, um, you often use those targets to set stress points against your team and to right. prove out, you know, is it possible? Is this a device that's going to actually achieve the goals and then if it doesn't, you kind of have this back to the drawing board strategy. Um, and I think Apple, because of their DNA, uses that back to the drawing board strategy better than almost any company in the world. They are more than willing to hold back rather than release something that doesn't feel like it's firing on all, on all cylinders, even as a first gen product. And then we had an interesting discussion with Roni from our, our friend uh, who started Magic Leap about the philosophy of, is this that first breakpoint with Apple where they actually have to allow a lesser than perfect device out into the marketplace? And it's a really interesting, because of the sophistication of something like this as a real sea change in how we use visual compute and all the mm -hmm. sort of you know, attempts at it from all these companies like, like Microsoft, for example, that haven't quite gotten there yet, but are more than willing to put things out in the public to see, um, Apple tends to not want to do that, right? So they'll get to a point of, okay, is it ready to release? And then they go, nope, not quite mm -hmm. there yet, back to the drawing board, which mm -hmm. is an interesting strategy. So <clears throat> we started to talk about it, Alex, let's go after it. Uh, you wrote a great story this week in The Verge about Google's new Skunk Works. Uh, which is said to be working on um, AR glasses uh, in addition to the other AR plays, I guess, that they have going on with North. And of course, there's an ongoing business with Glass 2, which is popular with enterprises for, you know, basic assisted reality tasks like instruct work instructions and um, you know, mm -hmm. documentation and so forth. So um, it doesn't surprise me that they're working on a headset, but I, I think it is big news that they're sort of building a skunk works in San Francisco. Tell, tell us what the, about the details of the story. And, um, and, and I'd like to ask you a few more questions about it. Yeah. So, you know, people who listen to this show know that glass still technically exists. You just said it, it's this enterprise product. Um, I don't think there's a ton of people working on glass for enterprise at Google. Um, I wouldn't characterize it as a major bet, um, but I have heard and what I reported on is they are ramping up investment and earning significantly in uh, a, a new bet, a newer bet that is a, I mean, I guess you could say there's the vernacular for these devices hasn't been really codified. So I'm a mixed reality headset, um, pass through video. Uh, basically what we're gonna see from Meta with Project Cambria, at some point this year it's and pass also, through not see-through it's a camera correct so this is correct so this is not north this is not glass like that lets a lot of light in around you this is like a ski goggle that has cameras on it and it's showing you a feed of the real world and it's throwing graphics in there and it, that's a way to cheat to a get live mix kind of, of reality so to speak yeah right. it's a it's a way to cheat to get better ar and by the way this is how apple's headset is going to work i've done some reporting on apple's headset as well uh german's done far more but like i've seen you know um internal renders of it and have i, I did a story at my last employer the information where i kind of published a lot of the specs of the device um and it's very similar so I think Google's realized they need something in this category because over the next couple of years, you're going to have Meta, um, you're going to have uh, Apple, of course, and then you're going to have, you know, companies like Vario on the side that are doing this kind of tech. And it's, I think it's going to be compelling for people, both consumer and enterprise. 
I think so, it's I also think it's important to note that when we're talking about these cameras, a lot of people are familiar with what the Quest does when you sort of go past right. the boundary point and you see this sort of low fidelity black and white image. This is a whole different ballgame. They're using yeah. very, very high fidelity, full color, full fidelity right. cameras to create something that actually looks real to your eyes using cameras as opposed to pass through. So right. it's. So you have to kind of synthesize that and understand how this device is going to work differently than, yeah. than what a Quest does today. And it's so it's not meant to be worn all day outside walking around the street. I mean, it is the prototypes they're using. And this is very early. I should like the direction of this could change. They're, yeah. they're only prototyping in the Bay Area, but it's untethered. Um, and they're doing wanting to do some remote rendering with Google's data centers, but it's running custom silicone and um the, the display tech is supposedly pretty cool. I mean, Google has, this is the same organization under Clay Bavor, a VP who reports to Sundar, the CEO that is doing uh, Project Starline, which was this, you know, apparently very cool video, tech demo. Two-way video. Yeah. yeah. Um, 3D video technology. I believe it uses Lightfield technology. Um, Google's very into Lightfield. Um, this former CTO of Lytro, the Lightfield camera startup is working on this headset. Um, and it's you know, they share a lot of resources with that team. Paul Greco, actually, I reported in this story, the former CTO of Magic Leap is working on Starline now. He went to Google. Um, and so this is really a look at Clay Bavor's org and Iris, which is the name of this, the code name of this headset that hasn't been reported on before, um, that has hundreds and they're planning to hire many hundreds more. Mark Lowski, who is doing the operating system for Meta's um, headset work and glasses work uh, just went over to work on this at Google, um, and they have a lot of pretty senior people on it. But um, it's a, still a question of whether they're going to invest at the same level that that Meta and Apple, frankly, even are. Um, that still remains to be seen. But they definitely feel like they need to have something in this space, and so they're they're kicking this up. And I, I would love both of your perspectives on this because I think that Project Starline approach is really interesting when you study it against the ubiquity of video chat now and how essentially every compute device has a camera and everybody is using video chat effectively in replacement of phone calls now, right? We as working professionals in tech in various um, industries and various sectors, as well as kind of every other industry have migrated to video chat, right? As opposed to mostly audio chat. And the idea of evolving it from a two-dimensional pixel flat plane screen to something that creates this let's use the, this, this broad term holographic style image, right? The idea that a company like Google with that level of wherewithal and resources can pursue it as a tiny little vertical and then see if it grows into something that will replace the screens that we use now. I see like, to me, that's a big of a change from kind of migrating from the CRT world from a generation ago to the TFT world that we use now um, and, and what allows from that. So I'd just be curious your perspective, both your perspectives on it, if you think that's going to be as meaningful like is it, is it a really worthwhile pursuit for google because you think you get you get my perspective you know, i think it's super worthwhile. let me just say briefly because i'm really interested in alex's perspective but i think telepresence is the holy grail here yeah right to be you know virtually present with another person in a shared space but not a cartoony space right that looks like it's in the video game a, a space like my office here right now where we could be seated around a desk together. So that's the end point that everybody is trying to get to. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of roots there. It's not technically possible to do it with the naked eye, or is it? Mm. So I think that this is something that's gonna evolve, but I think in a way I've always seen it as kind of, this is a marker of where 
we are in the development of this technology. So I just saw something from Cisco, which was amazing, but everybody had to be wearing a whole lens. So they've figured out actually how to do the thing that Microsoft made a fake video about in 2016 that made everybody go, oh my God, but you know, it wasn't even technically possible. It was just you know, as cooked up as a whale going through the floor of a basketball court. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Cisco, yeah. and Cisco has been working on it for the past seven years. And, you know, man, Cisco is good. I mean, it works, but everybody has to have a HoloLens. Right. Right. But I think that that when you're talking about the, you know, the the screen, the portal screen that, that uh, they're working on, I mean, that's another way at it, right? It's familiar. We're, we're used to screens. As you said, everybody's working on, you know, screens today. So it seems sort of like a natural progression and a lot less friction than putting on, you know, a, uh, a whole lens, although very much a single purpose device. So that's sort of the thing about it, right? It's not going to be, well, unlike Zoom, which can also be your TV screen or, you know, your smartphone, you know, it can only be one thing. I mean, I think if popular, it'll de develop from there, but wouldn't it be amazing if your television, you know, suddenly became a 3D window into, you know, your friend's house through his television? I mean, just yeah. thinking out loud, doing some crazy sci-fi riff on that. Um, yeah, but it's very sci-fi. Um, uh, I reported in a story that they're really focused on trying to get the cost of Starline down per unit. It, they cost, you know, upwards of $50,000 a unit. Mm -hmm. um, and they're focused on trying to scale that down and also do a pilot program with some other Fortune 500 companies. And interestingly, I think Google wants to use it for its employee base, for its hybrid kind of future permanent hybrid work setup where you come into the office some days and you're at home some other days. So deploying that across the company. Google's a mass, you know, hundred thousand people. That's that's a big deployment right there. Um, I've never tried Starline, but it's apparently one of the coolest tech demos ever, according to some people who have. Um, and this headset again, I don't really know, you know, what I know about it. it's in the story. I don't really know kind of what they intend for it or what its you know unique angle is going to be. I think they're figuring that out. I don't think they've identified customer verticals. You know, the main Did reasons why people are aware of this. Alex. They did acquire North, and I talk about that in the story. It appears that the North team is doing something different. If I had to guess, uh, this is more of a guess than reporting. It's informed guessing. Um, I think they're probably doing, you know, some kind of lightweight smart glasses, not not fully immersive like this headset. Uh, and I, if I had to guess, it has some kind of Google Lens integration. Um, but you know, they had the V2 of Focals that never shipped, and. Uh, I've heard that things are moving kind of slowly uh, on the north side. They're up in Canada, um, and I think they're a little separate from this Project Iris thing. Yeah, we, we we sort of speculate, Charlie and I, and we had other guests speculate on this too, that when you sort of take a step back and you think about all these different devices that are being built, it is a sort of future-looking metaphor of how we use our tech devices today, right? We have home computers, we have laptops, we have tablets, we have phones, they're all ultimately the same thing, just in sort of different form factor uh, and different sort of use cases. And the idea with these mixed reality devices is we're sort of heading down that same road where once it gets fully consumerized, push, you know, give ourselves a 10-year push here into 2030 and beyond, you're going to have probably four or five additional devices to your traditional compute devices that you have, especially if you work in some sort of industry where you rely on tech. And you're going to have a lightweight North style device. You're going to have a heavier weight gaming and more immersive mixed reality device. 
uh, and you're going to have some really exotic stuff if you work in the realm of needing to do virtual communication, which is where this sort of Starline thing. So like if I was on the board of Google, for example, and you had to raise your hand and say, you know, is this a worthwhile investment? Should we take X amount of dollars, X amount of resources and put it towards this? And you also have to kind of look at what Meta is doing with a very publicly announced spend of $10 billion, not over a 10-year gap of time, but theoretically over the year 2022, the year we're in right now, they're going to somehow find a way, this is Brewster's Millions, if you refer to the uh, the old movie, uh, to, to move that much capital to create something that's going to create forward momentum, right? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, they're, billion basically, dollars. they're basically owning the football playoffs. I've never seen so many quests. Yeah, quest ads, oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's that $10 billion. They'd be spending it. Well, I mean, you all are right. I mean, and it's hard to overstate the effect this has on the talent pool in Silicon Valley because there's a very limited amount of people with the expertise needed to build a headset and tech like this, as you guys know. Right. And um, they're very sought after and Meta is coming in and paying way above market and just basically uh, draining the ecosystem of talent. And so I think, you know, Another thing with every other company that's as well resources them is thinking, well, we have to, you know, I'm sure Amazon has something going on. They're all like, we have to have something in this space, but um, it's different when you go to Meta and like the CEO and founder is like personally invested in it. It's like eye of Sauron is the way someone described it. Um, <laughs> ducks focus on this stuff. Yeah. And I don't sense that at Google. I think Sundar is very interested in AR and he thinks it's going to be important. I mean, they did the early investment in Magic Leap. He was on the board for a while, um, yeah. but I... I uh, I don't think it's the same level of like, uh, you know, it's not like a religion like it is for Mark Zuckerberg. Well, know? and The Verge, I'm sure, I, I presume just because I remember who where I read it first, reported on that story of that that recent sort of like mass exodus of a bunch of folks from Microsoft that went over to Meta. Um, and, yeah, and, that was yeah. I think that was German. I think that was uh, Bloomberg. Yeah. And, 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 you know, after I did this Google story, um, a reader pointed out to me that uh, Bernard Kress, who was kind of the lead optical architect for HoloLens, is now the director of optical engineering for Google AR. So um, HoloLens has lost a lot of people. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're we're coming up on the end of the show, Alex. Um, thanks thanks again for for dropping in and, and joining us. Yeah, this is great. Uh, you've been at The Verge. Let, can we talk about you personally for just a few minutes? Oh, sure. <laughs> so you've been at The Verge for 10 months now. Yeah. And did they move you to LA? Is that why you moved to LA, Alex? No, I, I lived here before. Um, I lived in New York for almost six years and um, realized I wanted to be on the West Coast and didn't want to live in San Francisco. And this was a few months before the pandemic. Obviously, didn't know it was going to happen, but moved across the country, got a dog and a bigger place in a car and all those things. And then three months later, pandemic hit. So I'm, I'm very happy I made the move when I did. Um, yeah, you got a little but, more space for your imprisonment. Yeah, but it's more just, uh, it was more just lifestyle and wanting to be on the West Coast. And honestly, the, you know, the tech scene in LA is, I find it to be great. There's a lot of people moving here um, from San Francisco and who work at a lot of these big companies. Meta has a huge uh, uh, AR, you know, talent presence out in LA actually now. So mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, if any of your listeners, you know, I'm very easy to find at Alexi e. Heath on Twitter. Like I'd love to meet, you know, more people in the industry. And, um, I've been covering the AR space for a while, kind of dating back to the first version of spectacles, um, <laughs> from snap, uh, and have been following the space very closely. So, um, yeah, glad to be on the so show. Would you say you're a believer? Like, obviously you're reporting <laughs> on this. 
But well, I think a lot of people would like to know from a reporter's perspective, um, do you believe that we're that this is a worthwhile pursuit? Are, are all of us wasting our time or not, right? So I have, I have a question is, do you believe in the fourth transformation? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's really a religious one. I haven't, had, I haven't had my aha moment where, you know, I go, oh, this is definitely, you know, like original iPhone moment yet. I think that will happen for a lot of people when a lot of these high res headsets start coming out from Apple and Meta. Um, mm. So I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, I do. And, you know, it's also just I started reporting on it because I realized that a lot of the smartest, you know, most visionary minds in tech were obsessed with this idea from like Evan Spiegel, who, you know, I consider to be like very creative and forward thinking mm -hmm. to to Mark, to Tim Cook, to Sundar. It's like one of the few things in tech as a trend that like all the CEOs agree on is is a big deal, um, almost like universally. And when, And then when I heard, you know, back before even Facebook reality labs, I don't know if you guys remember it was building eight. And like, I remember when Facebook was doing building eight and like, yep. oh my, they're going to get into hardware and then, you know, um, Google and then Google buys North. And, you know, it's just, I just find it to be a very interesting, early, exciting space. And so I feel like it needs, it deserves, you know, coverage and um, scoops and stuff. And I would, I would say I'm a believer, but I'm cautious. I haven't, like I said, I haven't had the you haven't had your aha. Yeah. Charlie, have you? I have definitely had, I can definitely define two aha moments. Have you had an aha moment, Charlie? Do you I, I have had I had an aha moment in 1992, and I've been focusing <laughs> on that one ever since. So what like, I wonder if so I wonder if it's the same one. Is the endless migration of atoms into bits. Mm. You know, as as our lives become more and more mediated by screens. And those screens are getting closer and closer to our faces. And we are not just talking about the biggest business and technology story of our time. We are talking about nothing less than the future of mankind. Yeah. And, you know, this is the, we are on a very dramatic and steep curve right now where mankind has never been before. And, and it's not clear that people are able to handle it. Uh, so, so this is a very, very, very big story. Uh, from from both a technology perspective, but also from a social and, and of course a business and political perspective. And, and that's why I love teaching about this topic because I think it, it touches every area of our lives, including the relationship of parents and children. And, and my two aha moments are much more granular, much more like locked in. Like in the 90s, I had an aha moment at, a, the, at Disney's attempt at location-based micro theme parks called Disney Quest, where they did the Aladdin magic carpet ride in VR and built custom virtual reality headsets powered by SGI Onyxes. I know you know all about it. And that was my first aha moment of, oh my God, this is going to be and something. By the way, let's let's just, if we're going to go full Disney Quest, they were so heavy, they had to be cantilevered. Yeah, they were basically a bowling ball that had to be <laughs> you know, balanced like on a, head. A, Right, they were like a fake space rig just mm -hmm. to get the thing approximately over your head in front of your right. eye. And they could only put, you know, five people in at a time. So there was no scale to it. But you literally rode the Aladdin magic carpet. Right. And I was like, this is, there is something here. And I was obviously a much younger version of myself. And more recently, just a couple of years ago, my next real like super aha moment, assuming it took that long of a gap was um, when I saw, and when I was in Florida and early, early stuff doing stuff with Magic Leap and saw the early builds of the Dr. G game that the folks at Weta workshop were doing. And I was like, wow. This is going to be something. 
Um, now, little did I know how long it would take for it to be something, and it is still not something, right? But it's the, the uh, so I don't know, Alex, if you ever experienced I the have Dr. No doubt Dr. G shall ride again. Yes. I haven't. I haven't, no. So that, you should try that. Get a Magic Leap one, which I'm sure you have floating You know what, Alex? I have a Magic Leap one, so that when we finally meet for our lunch at Tam O'Shanter, I shall bring it with <laughs> And, and then we should go. gather again and I will I will ask you, did you see what Charlie and I saw? Because <laughs> it's still a, it's still you still have to have, you know, you have to use your imagination to know where this is really going. But it was for sure a watershed moment for me and a lot of other people. Um, and mm. there are a few others that are along the way, but those were the two big ones for me. Cool. So, um, Alex, thanks for joining us this morning. And thanks, yeah. everybody, for listening to us again this week. Um, and um, have a good one. We'll see you next Friday. See you next Friday.